You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. I want you to come with me as we go into our meditation this morning. On Wednesday, we began to look at Genesis chapter 1. So last Wednesday, we began to see that God in Genesis 1.26 says, Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And we, we began to see that God was not playing a man fell off. Man was an intentional, premeditated choice of God. God said, let us. There was a conversation. There was a meditation. There was a thought. He said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And the Bible went on to say, let this man now have these things. Let this man have dominion over the birds of the air, over the trees of the field. Why? Because remember, God had made all those things before he made man. Okay? And then God said, I'm going to make man, and this man is going to be just like me. Okay? He went further in verse 28, and he now says in verse 28, Then God blessed man and said to man, Be what? Fruitful, multiply, and all of that. Okay? Now, what you see here is that God's intent or God's purpose for making man was declared ab initio. And what is God's intent and purpose for making man? To bless man? Is that what he said there? No, that is a fallout. Praise the Lord. That is a fallout. To have dominion, that is a fallout. Why did God make man? God made man so that he can see his image. Let us make man in our image. If I engage an artist to do a painting of me, do I want furniture? But is it not furniture? What do I want? I want to see my image. So when God said, let us make man in our image, He wanted to see himself. What am I saying? I'm saying this morning that God's desire, the song we sang says, God who knows my beginning, who orchestrated the plan. It caught me. There is a plan. You know, when you're dealing with somebody and you're planless and the person has a plan, you know you're already weakened, you know, starting. Okay, and as I just saw that, I saw the difference between a lot of the football we play locally and international football. In local football, we fill the field with skills. A lot of talented, skilled people. Okay? But in international professional football, they don't just have skills. There is a plan. So you can see somebody. He hasn't seen anybody. He starts running on the outside right or whatever. He's just running. Because he knows that the plan is that anybody that gets the ball, anywhere he is, what does he do? He sends the ball to him. And you see the thing, you know, fall out. Sometimes you see them kick the ball. Nobody is there. Because there is a plan. The thing about the plan is that because it was done and prepared in advance, it has most likelihood to bring result. Okay. Now, God said, I will make man in my image according to my likeness. God wants to see himself. That's why he made man. God did not make man to add any extra thing to creation. No. God is almighty. What it means is that anything he desires for himself, he can get it for himself. He's sovereign. When David wanted to build him a house, he said to David, 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 have I ever complained that I need accommodation? At the time, the people were, I can't remember what exactly the conversation was. But God said to them, if I were hungry, I wouldn't order food from you. I'm God. The cattle upon a thousand hills belong to me. All that there is is mine. All power belongs to me. So what was God looking for from beginning before we came on the scene? How did this come to my meditation? Uh, Like I said, my birthday. God said to me, you were born in 1969. Where were you in 68? I said, I don't know. He said, do you know I knew you before you were born? Praise the Lord. He said to Jeremiah, before I formed you, what? So there was a Jeremiah before his formation. Think of yourself. 
some of us, you know, are one years, two years, or 20 years. It means before 1999, God knew you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Before Nigeria had these issues they had, God knew Nigeria. Praise the Lord. So, I knew thee. Now, it's then wisdom and very appropriate that I find out what did he know? What, who was me? Abby? Who is me? In 1968, who be you before you were born? Praise, are you with me? Is the intent, this building we're in now, okay, for some of us who don't know, this is not a full structure. The way, you know, uh, uh, architect Georgie designed it, this is actually the inner caucus. There is going to be a gallery and all of that. Before this structure stood up, we knew it, Abby, and planned it, that after we'll knock down these walls. Now, if somebody came in when we are knocking the walls down for expansion, they'll think there is destruction going on. But you see, it's in the plan. It was known before the first shovel entered the ground. This building had been concluded. It's just that the laborers didn't see it. Are you understanding? It was concluded the same way. God has a pattern, a plan for your life. And for the Father's church, I tell you, God has a work. He had it all finished before we started. Praise the Lord. Now, why is this important to notice, to take note of? It's important because like we noted on Wednesday, to measure the success of a product, it's only sensible that you relate it to the intent for which it was made. Praise the Lord. Oh, yes. You related why was it made in the first place? Before you can say, oh, this was successful, you ask, why did we do it? Then when you trace back and see that the result you got from it matched with the intent you had when you started, then you can say there's success. I'm giving this background because there's a man in the Bible that we know very well. A very popular man in the Bible. Children know him very well and most of us know him. Lately, a lot of people are not answering his name, but quite a few do. It's the man Samson. Come with me to Judges chapter 13. The man Samson. The Bible gives us the story, Judges 13, and I'll read from verse 1. I'll read and jump, you know, for purpose of time. The Bible tells us from verse 1, it says, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Verse 6, So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and be a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. This is a record of a family, a couple, when told in this account how long they had been, you know, looking for a child. But the Bible says the angel of the Lord, which we believe here is the Lord Jesus, but because if you look in your Bible, the angel is with capital. Okay, is the Lord Jesus and appears to him. Some of the translation says um, in their verse three, he says, I know that you are without child or you've been without child. Okay, and they said, but you're going to conceive. Can you give me NLT or message message? Let, let's just capture that because God is. Thank you. Message. Let's leave it there. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and told her, I said, I know that you are barren and childless. Somebody here, God is saying, I know your situation. 
Praise the Lord. You see, one of the things the enemy uses to, to frustrate and cause pain to the believer is when he tells you God is unaware of your location. But you look at the scriptures from beginning to the end. There is nothing hidden from God. God says, I know that this is your situation. I know that this is your pain. I know that this is where you are. But he went further and says, but you are going to become pregnant and bear a son. Do you think that decision was an emergency decision? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. There was a plan all the while that we are reserving this womb. When we're, you know, most uh, communities in Nigeria, they have what they call GRAs. They are called government reserved areas. Many of us here are God's reserved personalities. There are things that have been happening around persons, you know, around you. And you're wondering, God, when is my time? When is my own? You are reserved. You're not forsaken. You're not abandoned. You're just reserved. Praise the Lord. And if you notice, the places that are reserved, the design of the buildings and the roads and everything is always preferable to the unreserved area, isn't it? Praise the Lord. You look at the Bible, you hear of men like John the Baptist, you hear of men like Samuel. How many men compared to them? Because they came from God's reserved personalities. Praise the Lord, somebody. So this was the situation. And God said, but you're going to be a child. You're going to conceive and be a child. And they went forward and said, this is what I need you to do. Verse 4 says, be careful not to drink wine or similar drink. A few Sundays ago, I mentioned this. If you're a born-again Christian and the issue of wine is so big to you, it's not a problem. The only problem is that you have a choice. The more of wine you have, the less of the Holy Ghost you can have. And I don't know how much of the Holy Ghost you already have that you want to reduce that little one with wine. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, Claire, do not be drunk with wine in which is what? dissipation. They didn't say little wine. That word drunk doesn't mean when you start staggering. It means don't put wine inside of yourself. The little you put, there is a percentage dissipation. Praise God. Rather be one. Filled with the, rather be drunk also with the Holy Spirit. How beautiful it would be to come to church now and know what? How many of us come to church and before you came, God told you what the pastor was going to preach? It's the Holy Ghost. The message is going on. And you look at somebody and say, that thing we're discussing is the Holy Ghost. Don't you want to enjoy that? Praise the Lord. Those are some of the benefits. You go to work and the whole office is, you know, confused. They don't know what to do. And then the Spirit of God says, tell them this. And you tell them, everybody shouts, wow, we never thought of it. It's the Holy Ghost. Touch somebody and say, you need the Holy Ghost. More than wine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Maybe if Nigeria got more Holy Ghost than wine. You know, people say we are religious and yet we have problems. Well, they are very correct. We are religious, but we are not full of the Spirit. Because I know that record tells us that Guinness makes most profit from Nigeria. The champagnes and all of them, they sell more. The poverty capital of the world is buy more champagne. Than the prosperous capitals. You see we are drinking the wrong stuff. And Christians should not be part of them. That's the point I'm making. If you're a born again Christian. Starve that market. Eh? Whether it's uh, the one that. They put milk in and put sugar. What's that one in? Bailey's. Uh-huh. I can see some people's faces. Don't worry. When it's like that. Just sing that song. Um, if rain beats me. If sun shines on me. I've rejected the word. I'm following Jesus. Uh-huh. Praise the Lord. Anyway, so you can see it here. It says, be careful not to drink wine or similar drink. And not eat anything unclean. This is ritually unclean. Okay? They gave the Jews some laws about dead animals, about some, you know, different things. Verse 5 goes on and says, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. There is an assignment. You're going to carry something for me. This is what it is. It's about where we're going. It's about what God wants to do with us. That's why the sanctification is necessary. It's not for display. It's not for boasting. 
It's not for you to tell people, I don't drink. No, it's, it's beyond that. You're going somewhere. Nobody will have an important presentation to make at the ministry or at the um, job interview or, you know, with clients. And then that money, you get yourself really high. It's only foolish things that people get high for. Praise the Lord. So God is saying to this woman, he says, I want to send you an errand. Your womb is going to carry a special child for me. This child is going to be a Nazarite. A Nazarite in the Jewish, you know, under the old covenant is like a born again Christian today. You know, everybody claims Christianity. But there are those who are set apart to live this Christian life. They weren't just born into Christian homes. That's why Jesus could say to Nicodemus, this conversation you're having with me, I know you're a teacher sent from above. Nobody said, you can't do anything with me unless you're what? Born again. It's as simple as that. Know that the word born again was not introduced to an armed robber. You know, today it's bad people will tell born again. But Jesus understood the import. Born again is about a new life. A capacity to work with God. The authority and the right to be called a child of God. That's what it's about. Anyway, so we leave all of that. So it says to her, verse 5, You shall conceive and be a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite from the womb. Praise the Lord. Now you know from all records and what we know, that all these things about this child was done. If for nothing, we know that it was the day the razor touched his head that he lost his power. His hair must have really been long. He would have sold for a lot of money today. Praise the Lord. It would have been uh, Peruvian. What will you be now? Sam Sincian. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. So they kept all of that. But there is something in that passage. Just one little thing there. And the Bible says, He shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Did you see that there? Now, if you go home, read that whole passage. When the woman went to tell the husband about her encounter with the angel, she didn't say that part. When the man came back and met the angel, the angel also didn't repeat it. For some reason, we see the life of Samson and he lived throughout his life never conscious of the very reason why the mother was barren for a season and why he was introduced, so that he, Samson, will begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. I want to put it to us here that the reason for much failure in our lives is because the very purpose for which we were created, we ignore it on the journey. I like driving, you know, traveling by road when the roads were good. And one thing I don't do when I drive and travel by road is that I don't stop to eat. I don't, you know, you see some people, they drive, they get to Lokoja, they park, they eat pounder, they eat all of that. They get to Akokwa or whatever, they park, they eat pounder. I don't stop to eat. You know why? When I left my house, there was food. Where I'm going to, there is, help me now. Where I'm going to, there is food, Abby. On the journey, what is there is highway. What should be done on highway? Drive. Is it simple enough? The only problem was that children don't like traveling with me because it's not exciting. They said to Samson's mother, this is why you're being born. Interestingly, you see, because Samson, as, as I was preparing this, I said, Holy Spirit, help, let this be your word, not my word. As this story went on, we could see that Samson didn't do so badly because the Bible told us for time that Samson killed more Philistines at his death than he did throughout his lifetime. May that not be your portion. That you're dying, they'll say at least. Now he's dying. You know, Remedia, we can manage this one he did. His dying was better than all his life. You know why? Because when he was living, he never lived for what he was to live for. In the life of Samson, we see where many of us are. Samson didn't, like I keep saying, didn't do badly. He was a Nazarite. So wine he did not drink. And you know, it's unfortunate that because of the level where many Christians are, we still have to be addressing some basic things. The truth is that in a Christian church like this, we shouldn't be talking about fornication and drinking wine and stealing. We shouldn't be talking about it here. 
You know why? Those are not the assignment. Those are the things to get ready for the assignment. But you see, because people are not ready, every time we come, we'll have to talk about, you know, repentance. We'll have to talk about don't cheat. We'll have to talk about don't lie. But those are not the assignment. Samson did well in that. He was a Nazarite. He didn't eat unclean food. He tried in all of that. But we see that he narrowly made it. And many times we find ourselves in that area. And you ask a Christian, how are you doing? He said, I'm a very good Christian. He said, why? I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do all of that. You know, I'm faithful to my wife. I'm faithful to myself. If you're not married, whatever it is. That is very good. But that's not why you became a Christian. It's beyond that. And we learned here a few, a few years ago. Uh, uh, sorry, a few weeks. I can't remember. Years ago. We must have also. That joy is a reward for fulfilling purpose. Many want joy. Who doesn't want to be joyful? We all want to be joyful. It's a natural thing God has put in man. But you see, joy can only come from reconciliation with intent. When you do what you were born for, joy is the outcome. Simple. Joy is the reward that the creator of a product gives that product if possible. It's like when you're driving your car. Those days we learned, how many of us can drive manual, drove manual? When you're driving manual car, and you're getting the gear shifting right, it will be moving like automatic, the way automatic moves. But when you use a high gear, gear three, to move the car, instead of gear one, what will happen? The car will be moving, you know, but you say, you're wicked, you're wicked. It will be lamenting, isn't it? Now, if you also move the same vehicle, and you are maybe 60, and you leave it on gear two, women are very guilty of that. The car just, the car is working, no, but no joy. But when you do everything the way the manufacturer said you should do the car, you just be seeing the car, that's how it will be moving. Now, unfortunately, many of us are living lives and there's a lot of noise coming from different areas. It's because we are not functioning according to the way the manufacturer said we should function. And instead of addressing the root cause of the problem, you know what we do? We try to increase the volume of the music player. We do all kinds of things to dampen it. Now, look at Samson in this account, please. When you go home, take the whole story. When Samson was born, he was born to call the elders or the young men of Israel and say to them, this is why I was born. We must begin the deliverance of Israel from the Philistines. But he never did that. So his body was feeling there's something wrong. There's something wrong. You know what he thought was the solution? He saw a babe. And of all that he could see, there was none in Israel. It had to be a Philistine one. Why? Because, you see, there was something in him that he was not doing. You see, we learned here that the easiest way to stop a bad habit is to acquire a good one. Is replacement. The same way also, the number one evidence you're not doing the right thing is that you're doing the wrong thing. If Samson was mobilizing the youth of Israel to go and fight the Philistine, would he fall in love with a Philistine girl? Impossible. But because the very thing he should do, young lady, you're saying, Pastor, I don't understand. All the people that are coming for me are unbelievers. If you were going for them to witness to them, they won't be coming. Once you bring that your Jesus matter, they'll be the ones running. But you're not evangelizing them, so they're... they're they are whatever into you. It's, it's a natural response. You find yourself in a space. You don't shine your light. Darkness will ask you how now. Praise the Lord. Now Samson lived his life. And God, his creator, had to make do with Samson's personal choices. And managed to squeeze something out of it. So if God had to do a bit of Damage to the Philistines who were enemies to God and his people. He had to get Samson to be provoked. So when he found the wife, Samson himself, you know, the man is just a character. Samson himself posed a riddle to the 30 whatever that came for the celebration. And the riddle they could not solve. So they went to the wife and said to the wife, so you brought an Israelite here to mock us. Better go and find the secret to that radio, or else will burn you and your father's house. Now, you know the story. This woman, you know, nagged Samson. 
Nag Samson, you know, nagging is powerful. How many married men are here? May the Lord deliver us from nagging in Jesus' name. As strong as Samson is, he could not resist nagging. Praise the Lord. Yes, Christian women don't nag. But please, I beg you women, don't nag. Eh? Pastor Chris, what you should do? They said, be anxious for nothing. In everything by word. And supplicate. Make your request known to who? It's not your husband. Father in heaven, my husband should give me more money. It's not you holding by the tie. The man is going, his maker will say, come on, where are you going? Have you given her money? The man will turn and go and give you money. This thing is powerful. Praise the Lord. It, it works, so it works. Talk to God. The Bible says Christ, women. The Bible says Christ is the head of the man. You're not the head. Anyway, let, let's leave that. So, so this woman, precious Samson, precious Samson. And Samson told her the secret. And this, you know, she told her brethren. Her brethren came and told the secret. And Samson got angry. It's just an interesting story. And Samson got angry and went to the Philistines themselves, killed 30 of them, brought the, um, the prize of the bet or whatever it is, and gave to them. But because he was angry, the woman that he loved, that he, because of that, came to the Philistines. He left and went back to Israel. You know what happened? The father of this woman took her or this girl and gave to his best man to marry. Now, what is that saying? Anybody here ever felt like you're pursuing something anytime you get it? Not, you know, something just happens. It doesn't satisfy you. It's because you're pursuing Philistine women. It might be a car. It might be a house. It might be a job. It might be a lot of money. But anytime you get it, eh? To now enjoy. You know he married her. You know the wedding ceremony took place. But to now consummate it, he couldn't do. That's how the life of a man is, a person is, who is not pursuing purpose. You see, in fact, people who are not pursuing purpose are busier than people who are pursuing purpose. You see them very busy. They are moving like this, they are calculating. You see some people that are just calculating, if I do like this, if I chop one here, add one here. <laughs> Samson never, can't read that story. Every time he finally got to the, the next one was a prostitute. The Bible says he planned to spend the night. He was to spend the night in this prostitute. By the time he finished paying and was getting ready, trouble came again. He had to run out and carry the gate. Because, you see, the life of a man, somebody, say to you, to yourself, somebody made me. Doesn't he have the right to direct me? It's as simple as that. God made you. God made me. God made each and every one of us. The office you are in, sir, God put you there. The place where you are, God put you. God knows exactly where you are. Why don't you live your life asking him, what would you have me do, Lord? And if somebody's in doubt, that's what Christianity is about. We call Jesus Lord and what? Savior. He saves us first and then he becomes Lord. Some people love Jesus the Savior. So if you ask them, they say, uh, uh, Jesus has saved me. Jesus. Jesus did not save you to set you free from himself. He saved you to set you free from the devil. Because every person who is living must submit to one Lord. Is either Jesus is Lord or the devil is Lord. There, is no, there are no two ways. Praise the Lord. There are just two. Is either your darkness or light. It's as simple as that. Anyway, so we see Samson's life. And a lot of effort was applied. He did a lot of things. You know, he passed through a lot of frustration. The father, the mother, I can imagine the life they lived. And this boy was supposed to be a blessing, a source of rejoicing. The only thing he caused the parents was pain. Why? Because this was, unquote, a blessed man, not pursuing purpose. I've come this morning to say to you, brothers and sisters, you see, the pursuit of God's purpose for your life is wisdom, is safety, praise the Lord, is discretion, and is profitable. It is. You see, everything in life, look at this flower verse now. It's meant to carry a flower. I can decide to sit on it and begin to use it as a seed. But you bear me witness that if I continue to sit on it, Someday it's going to trip and fall because it wasn't designed to be balanced. So a life that is not pursuing purpose might have activities. 
It might have laurels and what men may call rewards. In fact, one critical part of it is this. People from the outside will be envying you. And that's a very unfortunate part because nobody will feel your pain. That's why men like Michael Jackson had to be on drugs. Because they were loved by everybody, but they didn't love themselves. Michael Jackson should have been going around the world, you know, leading worship. Praise the Lord. That's a gift. But you see, he was entertaining everybody, but couldn't entertain himself. That's why when they say, bring your friends, he'll bring four-year-olds and three-year-olds. I say, hello, hello. That is how it functions. You miss your purpose. And the thing about it is this. Once you miss your purpose, which I may call derailment, you see, the danger of derailment is that when there's a derailment, it's worse than death. Let me say that. Except for salvation. You know why it's worse than death? A dead person can't cause any harm. Am I right? But a derailed person, number one, is not fulfilling his or her own purpose. Number two is that the person becomes instrumental in obstructing every other person's purpose. But somebody say, thank God for Jesus. Because in Christ Jesus, there is forgiveness. In Christ Jesus, there is what? Redemption. What does redemption mean? It means to buy back. It means that Jesus can step into a man's life and snatch him out. And even though he was going the opposite direction, he can bring a newness. And that same man can begin to live to fulfill the purpose for which he was made. That's what we have in the life of Saul of Tarsus. And later on, Saul will tell us, when he pleased God, look at that statement. Paul would now say to us, when he pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal his son in me? All of a sudden, he dawned on him. That this Jesus I'm persecuting. He was the reason why I was born. The Bible tells of him the days when he was persecuting the church. The Bible says he will be exceedingly mad. Did you find him after that being exceedingly mad? What do you find him is saying rejoice. And again I say what? Touch your neighbor and say do you want more joy? Fulfill more purpose. The, the church has told us. We need more money to be f- fulfilled. We need the husband to be fulfilled. We need the wife to be fulfilled. We need cars. We need children. We need uh, public acceptance to be fulfilled. No. Those things are equipments. They are in verse 28 of Genesis chapter 1. That is what God did after he established intent. Praise the Lord. That's what he did after intent was established. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. That's what he wants. For this man now to enjoy and function in this assignment or this purpose, let him have dominion. And we noted on Wednesday, the reason man has to have dominion over the fish and over the beds of the and over all of that is so that none of those things can keep you from fulfilling your purpose. Praise the Lord somebody. No fish should be able to do that. No animal, no situation, no circumstance. So God says you will have dominion. And that's why the Bible records men like Daniel for us in the scriptures. Or even David. Okay, we're going to still touch that. Or even David. Daniel had a purpose. And he knew. So when he was found in Babylon, he was brought into Babylon as a slave. That's what he came in. Status slave. But he knew he had a purpose. So he said, I'm in Babylon. I'm a slave. But I have a king. And my purpose is to give him glory. So here I will represent my king. Simple. So when they made the offer in this kingdom, people like you have fed the king's food. Isn't it what the Bible says? They were selected and privileged to eat the king's delicacy. He said to them, I cannot eat your king's delicacy because I am already having fellowship with the king of kings. Praise the Lord. He was saying in essence, I serve another king. I belong to another kingdom. If you're here and you're in public office, you belong to another kingdom. Many of us may have read the interview that, uh, or not the interview, the um, excerpt from um, the book on um, Madweke, the naval um, commander. Also. And Madweke said, the father told him when he was going into, when he was appointed a governor, that he said, please, my son, when you go to that office, I don't want you to come back with money. He said, come back with my name as honorable as you received it. And he said he told um, Diziani the same thing. I don't know what you have to say. You see, praise the Lord. What am I saying, sirs and mass? Genesis 1.26 says, this is what God wants. As long as you are looking at your life and you're saying to your life, to yourself, 
God created me for something. I am to be a witness. I'm to be an evidence. God is looking at me now. Do you remember or do you remind yourself in situations and circumstances that God is looking at me? You know, the human capacity to respond to situations according to his choice is powerful. That's according to your choice. Means in spite of what is happening to you. The lowest level a man can live is to live exactly responding the way his environment treats him. You know that's the lowest level. And you know that's how a lot of people live. Ah, uh, pastor, you don't understand. In that office, uh, you cannot be in that office without chua must. Ah, have you seen what happens there? You see, what the person is saying is this. My environment determines my actions. And some people say, this is Nigeria. You're saying my country determines my action. But God is saying to you, I can understand that. I made the dogs like that. I made the dogs that when they see bone, what should they do? They should desire it and go for it. Even though trained dogs now. I saw a movie, the other, not a movie, um, just a, a little recording. Where they kept food, you know, in front of dogs, but they were all very trained. And they were very hungry. But the dogs just kept, you know, they all sat down looking at the food. And then the man gave the instruction. One went, finished eating. You know, that's what dogs don't do. They don't have patience. That's why that saying says the patient dog, because there are no patient dogs. So that patient dog is scarce. <laughs> anyway, so the man gave the instruction. One got up, went, finished eating, went back, sat down. He gave another instruction. So even animals can be trained to put their desires under. Now, for a human being to walk in this earth and say to me, Pastor, my environment is controlling me. You need to be saved. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. Because it is the power of the Holy Ghost that can make you rise beyond this mortal body. And that's what God created us for. Even though he formed us out of the dust of the ground. He didn't leave us like the animals surviving purely on oxygen. The Bible says he breathed into the nostrils of man whom we are for. God doesn't breathe oxygen. I hope you know that. (laughs) No, God doesn't breathe oxygen. What he breathed into our nostrils was Zoe, the life of God. And that life of God is power. That life of God keeps us above situations and circumstances. I was talking about Daniel. It was what Daniel understood. So he said to them, I have fellowship with another king. So I cannot eat your own king's food. And immediately it was a, it was a dilemma for the man who had already fallen in love with Daniel. He said, you're going to cause me to be killed. And Daniel said, please prove me. Let's run a test. Ten days. Let me eat my king's food. At least, not my king's food. Let me not say that because the king actually gives salad and chicken and all of that. This is our king. He gives good food. Praise the Lord. But in that circumstance, this is what he could eat. Ten days passed and the Bible says when the man brought Daniel and his three friends out, what did he discover? He found them what? Fatter. In today's day, it will be slimmer. You know how times have changed. In today's day, it will be slimmer and fresher than what? Than all the other people. Now what had happened here? Obviously, Daniel had a worse diet. But dominion had been given to him. Over the fish. Over the beds of the air. So he could drink Gary. And Gary will enter his body. And produce vitamin C. Vitamin A. Vitamin E. Protein. Calcium. What are the names? Magnesium. Everything. Why? Because he was what? functioning in his purpose. Listen to me, somebody. You don't need more resources. You need more revelation. When you know what you are to do, everything works for you. In fact, this is something we are talking about. A time, the Bible says, 3,000 Israelites took him and handed him over to the Philistines to go and kill him. The Bible says, Samson turned and he saw the dry jawbone of an ass. And because he was anointed to destroy Philistines, he took the jawbone of an ass and with it as a weapon, he slew 1,000 Philistines. When you're functioning in purpose, miracles will happen for you. Doors will open for you. Enemies will fall before you. In the name of Jesus. That's the way it happens. Miracles are accompaniments to purpose. That's why, you see, these are some of the things that confuse us today. In the ministry of our Lord Jesus, he didn't call TV cameras to watch his miracles. We do that now. But that's not the way it was done. 
The way it was done, and I hope you know that the way the Bible says is that the pastor is not the miracle worker. He's a Christian who the word of God has said you shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But you are also the one that should also do it. Lay hands on the sick. You also should pray for, you know, the dead. All of that is a communal assignment. It's not something we advertise and then cameras come. That's why people can be acting. The same hand is being healed seven times. Because it's camera. If you pray for your neighbor and she got healed, how will you, what are you going to advertise again? Is somebody getting what I'm saying? That's why when our Lord Jesus Christ did perform one of the greatest wonders he did, it was in the middle of the night when he walked on the water. I've been to that, um, what, is it lake or what? It's not, uh, it's, not from, uh, it's not from this side to that side. It's some distance. Jesus walked on water to catch people that traveled in the day by the fourth watch of the night. That's a distance. That's a miracle. And there was no camera to cover it. You know why? Miracles are accompaniments for purpose. Somebody came to church and there's something for you to do. Expect a miracle. Because the power of God accomplishes the purpose of God. That's why I said, let them have dominion. You know you should do this thing in your office. And they say, if you do it, this and this will happen. Kneel down. Say, God, this is what you have called me to do. This director, this boss, all these people that are saying that this will never happen. Today is the day. Our brother, um, Engineer Aladewolu, shared a testimony with us. He was to bid for a job in Port Harcourt. And he had trusted God. And there were bigger contenders, very bigger, you know, much bigger contenders. The bid was supposed to close 10 a.m. God told him, stay in this hotel. So he went and stayed in the particular hotel. In the morning, he got ready, got to the office by 8 o'clock or 9, whatever the time he was to drop the bid. And he dropped his bid. All the big corporations, they were waiting for them. All his contenders, they were waiting. 940, 9.50, 9.55, 10, 10.30, 11. They said, well, let them still wait. You know, Port Harcourt has history of traffic. 12 o'clock, nobody came. They closed the bid. He got the job. Why? He was the only one that bidded. Somebody here, you are afraid of names. Stop being afraid of names. You have been given the name that is above every other name. At the mention of which word, every knee should bow. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is what it is. Purpose. God has raised me for this. Who is that devil that will stand in your way? You know what happened in his case? There was a riot or something that arose. And the very road, their own hotels, different of them, all of them. The road that would lead them to the place where the bid was going to be open was blocked until about one o'clock. And those days, no mobile phone. By the time they came, everybody was looking at them. Are people serious? They had the explanation, but it was only explanation. God had given victory to his own. We serve a mighty God. We serve an awesome God. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? We serve a great king. So we see Samson's life, you know, as we try to round up. We see Samson's life. He had all kinds of things going on. But the very reason that heaven said, let's keep this womb. Let's introduce this boy. Let him go and deal with the Philistine. It never came up. You never hear Samson pray to God and say to God, remember, this was why I was born. He never said that. The only prayer Samson prayed was, they did this to me. God, I want to do it to them. It was vengeance. Doesn't that explain the level of our Christianity where all we are fighting is our enemies? Isn't it? My enemy, you know, fall down. My enemy, that. That's not what God called you to do. I pray for somebody here today. Your eyes will be open. You will see the video of before your conception. You will see where God said, I'm sending you to be a treasurer. When you understand that as you sit down as a businessman, you will not fear whatever name they are called. Praise the Lord. I'm sending you as a deliverer to Nigeria. I'm putting you in that. Of, when you begin to understand this thing, you see what it does is that the whole thing of Genesis 1, 26 to 20 begins to fall in. You now expect dominion because you see, listen to me, n- nobody can fulfill purpose without power. Nobody. 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 However, that power has to be channeled rightly. As I was preparing, the Spirit of God said, do you know two people killed lions with their bare hands in the Bible? Samson was one of them. He took a lion and tore his mouth like that with bare strength. 
But you know the sad thing? He killed the lion because the lion came to attack him. The spirit, said, the spirit of the Lord said, think of David. I say, yes, David killed a lion. Do you know why David killed a lion? David killed a lion because he came to attack sheep. The sheep in his care. Different dimension altogether. May the Lord lift us up. And that's why we exist as a church. We're not fast. That's why some of us, you might look at some of us, you're wondering, ah, nothing they show. Something is showing. Praise the Lord. The Ebos have a saying that is when the race is over, that they will count the miles. Don't judge anything before it's time. Don't look at these men, faithful men and women here who have been faithful over the years and think that because you don't see the cars or the houses they build, they're not, no, they're fulfilling the purposes of God. At the appropriate time, the glory of the Lord will be seen in them. That's the God we serve. He is a God of purpose. He created us for something. The Bible tells us of the life of a boy named Joseph. Joseph for about 16, almost two decades of his life was suffering. He was going from high to low, to low, to low, to low. But the Bible said something of him. It said God was with him. Joseph was a houseboy in the house of his master Potiphar and God was what? Was with him. Joseph was sent to prison and this and this and that. And God was what? God was with him. That is what it is. That means I'm finding you pleasurable. May heaven find you pleasurable. In the name of Jesus. You see, when we understand purpose, endurance becomes easy. I actually plan to tell us about our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so much of his life was purpose. As a very young boy, about 12 years old, he was the one who said to the parents, don't you know I must be about my father's business? For this purpose I came. Okay? Mark 1, we can put that one on the screen. Mark 1, 37 and 38. Something happened there. Jesus had finished, you know, working all manner of miracles. And then the disciples came to him in 37 and said to him, Master, <laughs> everyone is what? He said, you are trending now. You're trending. Everywhere is you that are talking about. And Jesus answered and said what? Let us go into what? The next town. What was happening here? His popularity had reached the height. That was the time to come and stand. And tell them now, if I wave my hand like this, this side will fall. That was the time to, you know, bring all those things that people like. But Jesus did not live by response. Jesus did not live by crowd approval or crowd disapproval. What did Jesus live by? He lived by purpose. There was a conversation in heaven that said, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? And Jesus said, here I am. Send me. So for every day Jesus lived on earth. He was checking with what he was born for. That's why on the cross, he could hang on that cross and say what? It is what? Finished. He didn't say I'm finished. Many people finish life. They are finished, but they didn't finish it. I pray you will finish it. In the name of Jesus. Life is not about longevity. Life is about finishing your assignment. I don't know anybody here who will enter a hall and want to take the whole three hours of the exam if you finish it in one hour. I tell you, I have that experience. God gave me gift of speed. Most exams I write, I finish on time. I finish my jam, you know, like the testimony. I had that testimony. Very powerful. You know, God is so merciful. Even when you don't know him, he's showing you mercy. How many hours is jam again? Four hours, Abby. I finished in less than one hour, um, 40 minutes or so. I fin- complete finish. And I was saying to myself, I tried to sit back. You know, they teach you when you finish, sit back. In case you remember something. I, there was nothing to remember. I remembered all I had to remember. I couldn't wait. I got up and left. And, you know, God said, help me. I still got this cause I got. What, what am I saying? Life is not about wanting to stay 100 years. There are people who are 100 years are just causing hold up. Praise the Lord. Life is about every day you wake up. He said, why was I born? We mentioned on Wednesday that that's why we have problems in our country about political office holders and public appointees. They don't want to leave. You know why? They never did what, what they went there for. And we have a, a, an example in Africa. Mandela came four years. If there was anybody that was entitled to life presidency in our generation, it would be Mandela. But the man came to reconcile. When he finished reconciliation, he said he's gone. Anybody you see looking for second term, third term, whatever, they are failures. Tell them pastor said that. When you finish your assignment, you will submit. It's because they never finished. 
So this morning, as we round up because of time, the Spirit of God is saying to us corporately as a church, never forget the reason why I set you up. He, he said, I, I didn't set you up because I was looking for another church. I set you up to be a witness. You know, I see a lot of things people write, you know, the father, we're, we're growing. We're 16 years, so we're growing. You know, teenage, you know, we might have some in exuberances here and there. But he said, I want anybody who is saying things against his church, let them come and say something against you. Be my witness that there is still a church, the father's church, not the pastor, Ikenna's church. Be a witness that this, there are genuine people seeking the Lord. There are genuine people loving the Lord. There are genuine people pursuing after the Lord. There are people who are still in this thing the way it was meant to be. That's what he said. That's why we left where we were. So that we can have the liberty to do it the way he said to do it. That's why we don't, you know, make a lot of, do some things that are okay generally. Because we are conscious of why we were set up. We are set up to be his witness. So that God from here can answer people. Can tell people, a few of us, there are quite a number in this place now, said God directed them to the Father's church. Quite a number have stopped going to church because of their frustrations, you know, with some experiences. But somehow we are led here. You know what you are called for. So the distractions of enjoying the journey, which I'm going to come to if I have time, of enjoying the journey. You see, the thing about purpose is that purpose becomes priority when you see it. Purpose. If a man has not found purpose, his priority will be enjoyment. But when you find purpose, it will supersede enjoyment. So you see a man, a responsible man, who has maybe four children. And his friends are, you know, doing all kinds of things. Or let's even use a lady. Maybe it's more appropriate with the ladies. And their friend, her friends are buying a shebi. Her friends are carrying bags of uh, 3,000 pounds. Her friends are wearing weave of one million. And she earns that amount. But she remembers that these children are in nursery now. They're paying 100,000, 100,000. Hmm? In six years' time, these children will be in maybe secondary school. And they'll start paying one, one million. So that woman is not out of lack of knowledge of fashion. She's saving her money. Because she knows her purpose is to raise those children. Not to do guys. But somebody that doesn't understand is busy, you know, flying around. Where, where is it happening? You arrived there. Where is it not happening? You arrived there. Where is, you can enjoy. It's your choice if you don't have purpose. But when you have purpose, it supersedes everything. Enjoyment becomes secondary. Endurance becomes necessary. So you endure. The apostle Paul said, I endure all things for the elect's sake. It's not, I can make a choice. Listen to me. I can come here and stand and preach to my God is not a poor God. Is somebody understanding what I'm saying? <laughs> Hallelujah. You can make all kinds of boasts and all of that. But you see, it's if you don't know purpose. When a man knows purpose, let me tell you what. It grips him. Somehow you're free, but somehow you're no longer free. The apostle Paul says the love of Christ also. It constrains me. You see, purpose constrains you. They provoke you. You can't even respond because of purpose. I've told you about one tailor that is uh, tuning me. He's still tuning to higher level. As he's tuning, I'm remembering purpose. He's tuning, I will remember. It just holds you. It doesn't allow you to respond the way you should respond. Praise the Lord. It doesn't allow you. But you know what? When that purpose is fulfilled, your joy becomes unspeakable. Let's rise on our faith. When purpose is fulfilled, you see, the scripture says, your loving kindness is better than wine. You know the way wine makes a person? Eh? You, I mean, you know the way wine makes a person? You know, he's just, um, you know what I'm saying? He says his loving kindness, when you fulfill purpose, the type of joy you will flow with, you wake up in the morning and there's a shout in your mouth. Trials and circumstances come against you. And you can look at that and laugh. You know why? Because you know you're in center of God's purpose. This morning I bring a word of encouragement to somebody here. Lift your eyes over your circumstances. The purpose for which God has set you. If you're walking on that path, don't let the enemy, he's a thief. Don't let him steal your joy. 
God did not set you on this path so that men will say you are good or you have arrived. He set you on this path so that he, God, can say I am happy with you. What the scripture says of our Lord Jesus Christ is that heavens opened and the voice spoke from heaven and said what? This is my beloved son. Did he say who you are people are pleased with? No. Say this is my beloved son in whom who? God. You see, who else marks your exam paper? Is it not the one who set it? Why will you be writing and be asking your neighbor the pass? This morning, every cloak of heaviness the year is coming to an end. And somebody is saying, I failed. Who is telling you you have failed? Eh? Who is telling you you have failed? Who is telling you you don't have, because you don't have wedding card? Who told you that that's what the, the purpose God set you up for? You know, we, we make big deals out of, I don't know, do you read the Bible? We make big deals out of things that are no big deals. These are things on the journey. They're not the purpose. We don't find women in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, rewarded with husbands for their holiness. If anything, is for their waywardness that they had more husbands. So why would you want to kill yourself for something that was not, never a reward of holiness? The holiest girl in the New Testament, we're told, was the widow, um, Anna. And God never said, ah, sister, you're so holy. I remember you now. I send you John the Baptist. John, go and marry her. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said this woman, Anna, God was so pleased with her that God said, well, continue to minister to me. The Bible says she never departed from the temple day and night. She was ministering to the Lord. You know the only thing she had? When Jesus was born, they said, Anna, go to the church today. And when she got to the church, she, they said that is him. And she had to bear Jesus in her arms. Today, we don't carry Jesus in our hands. He's in our heart. If you have Jesus in your heart, give a shout of victory. Give a shout of victory. Give a shout of victory. That is what we have. That is what we contend for. That is our victory. We carry Jesus. That is the reward of heaven. Why? Listen to me, people of God. Why? The Bible says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. But whatever or whoever is born of God, the world is looking for overcomers. Listen to me. This employment or this engagement is they don't look at your CV. Men may look at your CV, but God doesn't look at your CV. How many of us here can call the name Jesus? How many of us can pray? How many of listen, every that circumstance you are, God designed you for it. So that in that place you would destroy the works of the devil. You know, listen. Lord have mercy. My time is gone. I need just call on the Lord. Just talk to the Lord somebody. I need to just say, Lord, reconcile me to my purpose. Set me free from wastage. Deliver me from running health and skelter. Tell him I want to know you. I want to serve you. I want to live the way and for that which you created me. That is my desire. I don't want to be a Samson. I don't want to waste my energy. Samson wasted his anointing. He wasted the power. He had power. He had strength. He had ability. But he never ran in the direction of God. And the Bible says it was when he was dying that he accomplished the purpose he was born for. God forbid. But as we say God forbid, let us beg the spirit of the Lord. Today let it be my beginning. Where as I live... As I breed, as a husband, as a wife, as a brother, as a son, as a daughter, I will fulfill purpose. And somebody who came here, sickness is not a sentence. Sickness for the child of God is an opportunity to display the manifestation of God's power in your body let the mighty power of God be revealed by faith you draw it down and say my testimony they shall hear they will know that there is a body upon whom cancer upon whom whatever it is upon whom that and that does not have power why because I am born of God and whatever and whoever, which is me in this case, is born of God, overcomes. In my office, in this situation, somebody you came and it's like everything has failed. Don't you know that the God you serve is the resurrection and the life? Has somebody come to a place that is a dead end? We serve a God 
who is not afraid of death. He says, when I speak, even the dead shall hear my voice. You came into church this morning and the voice of God has come to you. That voice comes with power to save. It comes with power to deliver. And as we are praying, somebody may be in church this morning and you came in and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. Then this morning I want to beg you. He demands that you do that because that will bring the recalibration of your purpose. It will begin to bring you into that place where God will tell you, this is why I, I gave birth to you. This is why I preserved you. This is why I kept you. This is why I've exposed you to what I've exposed you. Somebody today is your own day of salvation. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.